Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Expat Experience, a podcast and live show highlighting the lived experiences of Black expats around the world. I am Kendall Tyson, your host, licensed therapist, and a fellow Black Black expat living in Beijing uh, for the last five years. And I say this every episode, but I, I really mean it this time. We have another great episode in store for you today. And I would like to welcome a guest that I've really been wanting to interview so uh, much, Krishan Wright. Hey, Krishan. Hey, Kendall. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. I'm doing well. I am so so, as I said, I am so grateful that you're spending this time uh, with me this evening, morning, evening. Um, and can't you tell by my little Cheshire cat grin? I'm just so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm like, oh, I get to talk to Yeah. I've been, I've been waiting. I've been admiring your work. So, oh, this is going to be a love fest. It I is. It is. It. <laughs> and same. And same. So to get started, I would love for you to give us like your elevator pitch of who you are. How would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, great question. Um, I'm a deeply passionate person. I love fearlessly. I am a mom, a proud mom of two. I'm an avid world traveler. And I am happily single. <laughs> I think that I was like that. my trailer for the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love that it. That was like my happily untethered single lady. <laughs> and you're glowing. So something's Thank working. You. Right? <laughs> I'm so grateful, like I've said, for, you know, you sharing this time with me this evening uh for those that are listening like I've been following Krishan for a while and I just love how your personality shines through um the way that you connect with people I mean the content obviously that you put out into the world um has really helped me to kind of like identify what do I want to do with my life um mm. when I leave Beijing so um I would like to know just to start or to continue better yet when you think about what got you into the industry, into the field, doing the work that you're doing, what can you share with us that was the precipitating factor for you to move in this direction? Sure. And I'll, I'll give like a better <laughs> like yeah. roundup of where it. I am. I kind of went on the, how do I describe myself, but I should probably- That's all that matters. Hey, right. What's most relevant to the people that are going to be listening and watching this conversation so I'm Krishan Wright. I'm the founder of Blacks Global and the host of the Blacks Global podcast. Uh, Blacks Global exists to empower and inspire members of the diaspora to pursue a life abroad. And what got me into this work is 2020, the year that was, had a lot going on, right? We know about the highly publicized murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and sadly yeah. others that have followed. Yeah. And coupled with the pandemic, lockdown, um, I had started a job, uh, I think that February, May, I was laid off, mm. and which was fine because I hated the job. <laughs> 
was just like, Lord, am I having to do this for three years till I move on? Okay, I'm just gonna make peace with it in my brain. Listen. And then they were like, Oh, look, don't worry. I lay everybody off. I was like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> God in his wrenches. God in his wrenches in the plans, right? You know? Listen. So I was not sad. I was not sad. But you know, I like many people were feeling isolated. I'm an introvert by nature. So me being alone, me being not around other humans actually works for me. I get, you know, recharged when I have downtime. Yeah. But it was the feelings of feeling unsafe. Yeah. Really. You know, and you know, fear because of a pandemic, right? That none of us have lived through in our lifetime to date at that point. Yeah. Um, very few people were alive for the previous pandemic in in 19 in the 1900s, right? right? So for us, this was our first. It was a novel virus, right? No one has a level of immunity, like all of the things, right? In the yeah. media, 24-hour news cycle. And I used to be in news many years ago. And so all of that, I think, um, triggered what I now know was feelings of complex PTSD. And so I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was getting wow. irritable. And my world, although, like I said, I'm more introverted, you know, I have my level of comfort. I did feel like things were closing in. Yeah. And as the, you know, (laughs) head of my household and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Right. Because if something happened to me physically, emotionally, psychologically, what does that mean for the people who love me the most, who depend on me the most and who cherish me the most. And so I knew I had to redirect that energy into something positive. I couldn't let myself succumb to those emotions. And so I had to, you know, go within and kind of figure out like, okay, Krishan, because I have to be my own cheerleader, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had to figure out how I'm going to do it. And so I thought about, um, uh, what I was going to do to redirect. And just so happens, I'll try and make this story short, but I was in a competition a few years ago, a statewide competition. I had an idea. This was now probably nearing 10 years ago um, for a podcast as part of this competition. It was a business mm-hmm. idea. And at the time, no one heard a podcast. <laughs> <I was> right. <laughs> You know, no one. I was listening to, it's no longer on anymore, the The Suitcase Entrepreneur by uh, Natalie Sisson, who lived in New Zealand. And many people who have followed my story knows that ever since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to live in New Zealand. Yeah. That was like one of the podcasts that I listened to over 10 years ago. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to start a podcast, right? And I wound up placing in the competition, didn't win. I forgot what place I was, got nice prizes and everything. But one of the people that I was competing with who won, I think Kim won $15,000. And she went on to create a candle company. And then subsequently, maybe three or four years ago, had created a podcast, right? Because now, fast forward, right? People uh, have podcasts, right? So she had Sisters Connect podcast. 
and like everybody, right, was on lockdown, forced to be now having virtual interactions. And she did a podcast course. And she was like, Rashawn, you know, um, remember when you you did the start something challenge? Um, you know, what do you, you think about doing a podcast again? And I was like, girl, that ship done sailed. <laughs> <Right>? Like <laughs> I was gonna have it on, you know, women entrepreneurs. Yeah. I had recorded like two episodes, released one. Um, and, and call myself releasing. I don't even know where it went. It wasn't on a, it was like on YouTube somewhere. Uh You'll never find it. And I was like, no, that, that ship sailed. And, you know, again, I was having all of these, you know, feelings and emotions and I went to bed and I was like, what the hell would I talk about? I was like podcast and I went to bed and then I got up and I was like, I got it. (laughs) I I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about moving abroad because while I had the pleasure of going on my first solo trip to New Zealand in 2017, I had never really interacted with Black expats, not people that I had, you know, on the countries that I had seen at that time. But what was obvious to me was every time I looked up information on moving abroad, expatriation, we do not come up in the search results. <laughs> we are not in those articles. We are, we were not anywhere. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. They got, they have to be out there. Right. Like that's what I want to do. So I woke up and I was like, I got the idea. And she was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, the name is going to be Blacksit. The original name was Blacksit Us. Or we, I think it was, yeah, it was Blacksit Us. I think it was. That was the group's name. Cause it was like U.S. Black mm-hmm. Us. Play on words. And then I was like, that feels so limiting (laughs) because (laughs) I'm like, it's not just us. I was like, I feel like it's not just us. I want to be able to talk to people who left from other parts of the world, right? There are Black people living on the continent that are moving somewhere else there are black people that live in the UK or you know south some other place where they were born their country of origin but they're moving somewhere else right yeah born in Canada born in Jamaica so Kim was like well what about global and I was like oh <laughs> so I always credit to Kim for the inspiration for a global and I was like boom <laughs> so marriage made in history Right. That's how the name came about. Yeah. And the funny part of this journey is from the time Kim and I had that conversation to the time I went live with my first episode was about three weeks. That's quick. Yeah. For not knowing a Black expat, coming up with an idea for a podcast to talk to other people around the world when, you know, travel was dead. (laughs) Literally. How I pulled season one off, I don't know, but <laughs> that's how it was. But that's a that's a story in that for anyone who's listening, if you allow yourself to let fear set in, if you allow yourself to put limits on your ability and capability, either because of your own self-esteem issues or something that someone has told you and you have internalized that belief, either consciously or subconsciously, you're already discounting yourself. You're taking yourself out. And so if I allowed myself to 
listen to that level of frequency. Not to say I haven't in my lifetime before, because I'm right. not a person. No, right. no person. Right. But I think the conditions of the pandemic and the world being on fire created an environment that allowed me to be fearless in that moment mm. to short circuit my default, which would have been you know, you don't know any black expats. Yeah. You've only been to four countries. Like, who do you think you are? You're not even an expat. Like, I would have gone to all the things, <laughs> right? Yeah. That would No. Yeah. And if I had done that, imagine all of the things that I would have missed out on, including this opportunity to talk to you. I just, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hmm. I'm sitting with all the things that are coming up for me in like the story that you just shared. One, thank you for sharing. I'm probably going to say that a million times in this conversation. And some of the things that I, if I have a moment to reflect, like here coming out of this first vignette of discussion is taking advantage of like a synergistic moment um the pandemic I know so many people including myself that sees the day right that sees like the forced stillness that had to as you're sharing had to really silence their inner critic um challenge those um, negative thought processes that can really get in the way of us forging toward the goals that are meant for us. I also hear you had support, right? You had someone that believed in you and shared ideas with you and listened and didn't try to coax you out of something different, but tried to really help fortify like, no, nah, you got this, you know, you've already had the idea. And then there's a history there. So what that tells me is that there's already been, there's already, there's, there was already, I'm getting tongue tied, a seed planted. And sometimes we just need the right opportunity for that seed to burst through. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that you recognize the possibility of limiting thoughts really disrupting, you know, this journey. And I'm really happy that you leaned into doing the opposite and going toward the thing, going for the goal that you'd already thought about previously um, and can kind of see like the landscape is shifting. So what do I do now? Right. Yeah. It's not like it was something that just came out of the blue. No, Um I get the sense that it was something that's implanted in, that was implanted into you. Like I get my best ideas. God be like three fifteen in the morning, knowing I wake up every morning at like four o'clock because I can't <laughs> sleep through the night. And I'll get this idea and I'll have to write it down, go back to sleep, and wake up like, what happened? Wow! And, mm -hmm. and literally every everything that I've done has been like that. Yeah. But I've had to be open to the process. Mm -hmm. um, and you just said so much, like as far as recognizing the struggle, right? One, I hear so much self-awareness 
in everything that you share, recognizing that, you know, personality wise, you're more of an introvert by nature, but noticing that shift in, yeah, this is more than just introversion, right? This is like a slant toward I'm struggling with my mental health in this moment. And I really need to do something that's going to help lift me out of this because it's not just me um, that could be affected. And that is one, you know, as a therapist, that is one moms are the group of of people that I have the hardest time with helping them to recognize you Mm. have to prioritize your wellness first before you can do all the things that you do for the other people that are dependent upon you in your life. And so I just thank you, right? Thank you for listening to your friend. Thank you for, you know, doing that competition. Thank you for leaning into the idea of popping back up. Thank you for planting the seed. Um, Thank you for really prioritizing your wellness so that not even just getting to this point. Yes, I'm grateful for this today. Um, But (laughs) I know that you've really touched and helped a lot of people just through the work that you've been doing. Um, and I'm really proud of you. Like, I don't, I don't know if that means anything. I don't say oh, it. it does. That, but... <laughs> this work um, is hard work, right? Woo! Like put it on a show and, you know, even the logistics, right. Of, right. We're in two different time zones, yeah. two different parts of the world, but, you know, connecting people, finding them, vetting them. And, you know, as a, as a host, uh, that part is not easy, but then yeah. it's always it's also the impact that you have on the other side of that, yeah. be it positive or negative, because the reality of it is in this space is yes, you know we have the power and privilege and ability to touch and impact lives. I honestly didn't think anybody was listening yeah. <laughs> as I, I was you. recording it in my closet, <laughs> you know, while the world was on fire. But once I started hearing from people, they were reaching out, leaving comments, reviews, um, and telling their stories. And my master's is also in is so, in social work. And that part of me, right? I messed up in yeah. <laughs> right? That part of me, you know, that is deeply empathic. And as I started, I said, I'm deeply passionate. Yeah. That part, you know, is like, okay, how do I create more and have more conversations or even people giving me topics to to pursue that part I love right the flip side of that is also being very public about this is it invites not really I'm not inviting you on negativity but you just feel that you want to yeah (laughs) share without invitation yeah um it does invite a level of um you know, pu- public lens for people who have their own different agenda. And that was the part that I anticipated and really took proactive measures to mitigate how much I could see to preserve my own mental health. Yeah. But then there would also even be Black people who would have their own negative reaction to it or, um, you know, agenda. And that part, I wasn't like quite prepared for. And so how do you manage through? But I think the beauty of it is that it further illustrates that we are not a monolith. And so 
that is where I feel like I've had to grow. And that's, that's part of the journey is, uh, is growth, growth is yeah. in me as an individual growth in me as a content creator, growth in me as a host so that I can at times dissect and help people around that story. Um, and, and hold that space for people to share. And, and that's the beauty of it. It really yeah. is. It's such a sacred place to be in. Yes. Um, to give people like holding space, giving people one of the most important things I say is that this is a safe space, right? Yes. For you to bring your whole self. There is nothing to be ashamed of because something that somebody's sharing is going to unlock a door for somebody else. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow, but mm -hmm. somebody's going to click on this episode and they're going to hear something. They're going to recognize something mirrored in their situation and it is going to unlock a level of liberation for somebody. Um, we talk about representation matters a lot. And this matters. I mean, I've even yeah. said, it, you know, at the start of this conversation, how just, you know, following you, watching you, um, seeing the confidence come through, that matters so much in this space that can be filled with criticism. Um, <laughs> and it's like, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your purpose, if you don't yeah. know the mission of the work that you're doing, it's so easy to fall prey to people with an agenda, mm -hmm. um, folks that are upset that you do things in the way that you do them, mm -hmm. um, whatever the motivations are. And so yeah. I'm curious, what kind of work if you know you want to share, what kind of work did you recognize that you had to do to kind of fortify yourself before entering into this space? Ooh, um, you know, I think for me, I've been on a, a journey for a while, more intentionally. So, just as human beings inhabiting a body and having a, a lived spiritual existence in in this in human form, right? On the time that we're here on this planet, we can easily get distracted by stuff that happens in life. Yeah. And I am no different. And for a long time, you know, I was holding on to uh, certain goals and aspirations. And what I didn't realize is that I was getting further and further away from self. Mm. And so in this season, in 2023, I call this my year of being a return to self. Mm. And in the past, I would say four-ish years, I've been more intentional and deliberate. So going back a little further, I had started really focusing on like my spiritual journey, maybe about 12 years ago and separating myself from uh, things that I learned early on. You know, my, my grandfather is, uh, he was a Baptist minister. Um, I am by baptism and education Catholic. Um, but that I got to a point in my life that that part of religion didn't resonate with me anymore. I felt incomplete. And as I started to go into my spiritual journey and, you know, thinking about the things that I was kind of like, I don't know, felt comfort in. Like if you come to my home, 
there's Buddhas all over <laughs> my house and they have been for years, like over decades. But at the time I wasn't identifying and I still don't identify as a Buddhist, yeah. but I felt nurtured and calm. And I went through and I learned about, um, you know, the, the science of mind. And I was reading that book and new thought. And so just taking different things in that felt more aligned with me. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward to around 2019, and I was having a bunch of health issues that were stress-related because I was in a very toxic work environment. Um, and thankfully I had gotten myself, you know, I knew I was moving abroad in 2023. So I had financial goals every year that I wanted to accomplish. And I was at a place financially where I was like, hmm. I don't really need to deal with this anymore. <laughs> Listen, so I, was, I was happy. So, you know, uh, when, when that opportunity was no longer there so much so that when I found out I was in the middle of a meeting, I jumped up and danced out. of <laughs> My colleagues are still talking about that, but I was like, <laughs> grateful exit. Right. I was like, um, so being home, you know, since 2019 has, and not being on the hamster wheel as much, right. Not to say that I don't have, you know, other means to support myself. I wasn't on that hamster wheel. And so it allowed me the time and space that many of us are not afforded to be more introspective uh, and not in a, I guess in, um, more self-reflective way. Yeah. So to say, it's not to say I haven't had accomplishments. It's not to say I haven't had my share of trauma. It's to look at both sides. How much was I participating and contributing to the outcome that was I was accepting as my reality? Yeah. How much of what I was reflecting on was my perception and that the other person or persons in the situation may have had a different perspective and intention. Yeah. And so just being able to sit with that, that was work. And Ooh. that was deep work. Um, I also had some personal challenges um, with my children that I was working through that also required me to do a lot of personal and deep work and reflection and just saying like, okay, this is what you're telling me and to not default and be, oh, defensive, but to sit with it, sit with the uncomfortable and then examine and go within. And yeah. then I had to have a lot of conversations, um, sometimes uncomfortable <laughs> conversations um, with my mom over that same period of time and work through and then there was a period, I think it was maybe like a year and a half ago that I had gone down to visit her. She was having some surgery and uh, I surprised her uh, and I, I drove down and to take care of her. And we went, um, I was, ooh, this is emotional. I'll try and be. Let it flow. It's okay. It. <laughs> is, um, you know, we, I, I had this 
desire to to go to where my family is um, in in Florida. So my my mom was born in Pensacola. Most of my family on her side is is there. And so many of my relatives are in the same cemetery. Mm. That cemetery is a segregated cemetery. Mm. So, hmm. mm. so that's heavy. Mm. That's heavy. And not just because of it being segregated, but the condition of that side of the cemetery to this day versus people on the other side of the fence. Um, Right. And so, or even go into my grandmother's um, house, the house that my, my mom grew up in. My mom is one of 12. And when I tell you this looks like a, 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 in comparison to the amount of people that was in the house. <laughs> yeah. Very, very small. Yeah. And uh, I found this picture, you know, when I was there and it was a picture of my mom and some of her siblings. And, you know, you can kind of see the house. And my my grandmother had this, this small house, but she had acres of land. Mm. And now when you go to that house, it's still there. My uncle owns it. There's a, there's an interstate through that property. And when you see and put together all the pieces of the puzzle, right? Where we had land, where the government came through, through eminent domain and decimated thriving and up and coming black communities where we were um, had missed opportunities. My mother, even yesterday, still tells me about how she walked miles mm-hmm. to downtown Pensacola. And now that you know, I'm there, I, I know how long it takes to get from where she was living to downtown Pensacola yeah. and that there was no buses for them. And, you know, in that picture that I referred to, um, she didn't have shoes on, Mm. you know, and, and my mother is 81, she'll be 82 this year. And I didn't know this until within the past year or two, because there's so many stories that just aren't told. She picked cotton. You know, my, my grandmother was a domestic. I knew my grandmother was a domestic and my other grandmother was domestic. And these are, you know, your nanas, your big mods, your steadfast, your home, your comfort, right? And to think about all of what they encountered and dealt with. My mom came up in the great migration, um, that's a history that we should be proud of and not feel a sense of shame or diminished in any way. Right. Because it's not our shame to carry. That's in white people's shame. <laughs> so we didn't do it to ourselves. <laughs> hold your head up. You should be walking around with your lip on the floor in shame. Exactly. Casting your eyes down. Right? Yeah. And you know, and so when I look at it now and fast forward to today, I stand 
mm-hmm. on the shoulders, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of the shadows of many people who have paved the way yeah. for me and those that will follow. Because the reality of it is, is that any of us that are living in this moment to know that we are here, particularly if you can trace your ancestry to people who were formerly enslaved. Right. You are a miracle. And don't let anybody tell you different. Your ancestors, our ancestors were captured, brought over a ocean. This was not a cruise ship, right? Centuries of enduring horrific conditions to get to you in present day Mm. you have no other choice Mm. but to rise you have no other choice Uh, I'm hardly ever speechless Thank you for sharing that. Um, when I hear you offer that, it 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 gives a whole nother meaning of fortification to me. The mm. fact that all the things that we, our ancestors, living you know present and passed on worked through endured survived to thrive and are still like sitting on trauma and Mm. still able to create community and still Mm. able to celebrate and still able to educate and mm-hmm. still able to push us forward. I, it really makes me respect a lot more the individuals that like lean into the opportunities that are given to them and create their own. Because yeah. when I think about it, a lot of the the thriving that our communities, our lineage, have been able to acquire was through the creation of things for ourselves and to better the lives of those in our community. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, we've not been given anything. In fact, we've been given the worst of things and made the best of things. Yes. And so as I hear you say that, I feel compelled to one, you know, acknowledge how I feel in these moments when I feel like I I don't know what to do, or I don't know the pathway, or I'm afraid. Acknowledgement is key, right? Because when we suppress emotions, they show up in all kind of other ways, Um, mostly unhealthy and when you don't want them to. But (laughs) (laughs) But then it's like, after that acknowledgement, it's like, but like you said, how did I even get to this point? Mm-hmm. Only because the people in my life, my lineage have survived, have 
set goals, have pushed, have endured. I keep using that word um, because so many things have been thrust upon our community and we've mm -hmm. had to find a way to create out of that. Um, yeah. I thank you for offering that perspective. So then it's like when Joe Blow says something online, it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, and this is just like a funny take on it. I, I posted this meme on my uh, Instagram where this guy was with his daughter and it was like taking my daughter around the world. So some little, somebody dusty little son don't impress me. <laughs> yes. We're going to Houston. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why Houston got to be in the first mile? Houston is great. But then it, it reminds me like, yo, my people, our people have gone through the ringer. So your little tirade, your dissatisfaction, you're not liking how we show up in this space is just par for the course because we've mm -hmm. gone through worse and we've thrived. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And there's no place that we shouldn't go. No. And we have to recognize that unlike the generations that preceded us, we have things at our disposal, right? That enable us to move, right? Just like my mom didn't have uh, as many opportunities afforded to her in the South and she moved up North like many of her siblings did. We have the ability with that blue passport to go somewhere, right? <laughs> go somewhere, see the world. Doesn't have to be, a, a, a you know, the other side of the world. Like me, you don't have to start off in New Zealand. I mean, I'm like a go big or go home kind of gal. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, first one I know as far right. as I could possibly be from America, right? Um, but, you know, you can start with that cruise ship or, you know, drive over to Mexico or, you know, fly over to Mexico, whatever is sitting on your heart. But to think that because you don't see or you don't know anybody at in that other land or you heard from somebody else that they don't like Black people, no. Go see for yourself. Exactly. Because what lights one person up is not going to like light someone else up. We are as different as our own fingerprints. Exactly. And so you have to understand that and accept that as truth yeah. and then say, hey, well, maybe I'm curious about this and I want to see based on what I'm looking for, yeah. if this is a place, but don't go off of some article or something somebody said, the person who probably told you that has never been anywhere either. <laughs> they probably just saw that on TV or was scrolling Instagram and said, oh no, I heard. Who'd you hear from? <laughs> like my daddy say, don't go to Cartagena as a black woman. You're going to get snatched up. Well, <laughs> don't be believing that nonsense because I'm going anyway. I, right? I it's like, like we have to, and, and the thing, and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, <laughs> is critical thinking is something that is in shorter supply in America. Mm. And that is by design. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you see the removal of our history, the erasure 
the whitewashing, the banning of books. Blatant. Blatant. In plain sight. Right? Don't do about it. Right? Voter suppression. Um, I, I recently did a video on how corporate America is failing Black professionals, right? Performative oh. allyship. Yeah. When you see all of these things that are happening, the rollback of Roe versus Wade, right? You see all of these things happening in plain sight. You have to be able to say why. You can't be passive. And think about it. 2020 was just three years ago when, oh, Black Lives Matter. We love y'all. Everybody in the street. Black towns. Everybody in the street, right? But what happened, as it happened in the 60s, as it happened in the 50s, met Back. with massive police resistance, yeah. right? So our mere existence is often met with resistance. So... Why not fight? Mm. Why not say, I'm going to take my freedom dollars. I'm going to take my skills, talents, and abilities that you discount. And I'm going to go somewhere else where I can flourish, where they are appreciated. And that might be on the continent. That might be in Italy. Yeah. That might be where I am, you know, my happy place is New Zealand. I love being around the Maori people. I learned so much every time I've gone. And I love going and being around other cultures, all cultures, because as a global citizen, that's my, that's what I have to do, right? I mean, human existence came from a black womb. <laughs> So we are the global Everybody majority. You know, we are the global majority. So stop feeding into this white supremacist belief of this is where you should be, or this is what, this is the box that black is. Right. Right. We have shaped not only the culture, but we have shaped the laws of this land, right? Civil rights, women's rights, gay rights. All of these things occurred on the backs of Black people. Yes. Education, right? Think about it. Everything has been because we've said, this isn't right. But yet, we benefited the least. Look at all the millions of dollars, billions of dollars in advances in, in medicine. Meanwhile... We had the Tuskegee experiments. Henrietta. Henrietta Lacks's DNA was stolen. Father modern psychology. Exactly. Modern. Slave women. Yes. That <laughs> Black women were picked apart and mutilated. Right? But yet today, the Black mortality rate infant mortality rate is high in this country and maternal infant rate the yeah. maternal rate staggering statistics and so what i say about critical thinking is we have to be able to dissect this and we also have to have 
these type of conversations in the public discourse. Because yeah. what I learned from that video that I published was a lot of us are suffering in silence mm. because we have been conditioned to have to hold it in, right? To carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We have had whispered conversations because God forbid there'd be two of us in an office somewhere and what somebody come in, <laughs> right? But they plot, but they scheme. We scatter, right? Right? Like, oh, oh, shit, there you go. <laughs> we have had generations that preceded us that because of their own trauma, they leaned into their, I wouldn't say leaned into, the trauma response that was triggered was one of um, freeze, where it was easier to dissociate and shut down that part of the trauma and not speak about it mm. than it was to open up I agree. what was something that psychologically too much you to can't make sense of, right? Think about the Tulsa massacre. Why was I just thinking that? Right. How do you language what you see, you know, or you look at, you know, the many hangings and, and things like that, that took place. I mean, but again, anytime we wanted to put a voice to something, it was met with resistance and it wasn't just by white citizenry. It was by the federal government as well um you know there's many instances right whether you look at the Moynihan report in saying that it, you know it's basically saying that black families like what are they and you know um you know we were a dredge on society or if you look at to this day the FBI building still got that joker's name on it even though you had files saying, oh, we can't have a black messiah. You had files on people like Aretha Franklin. Look what they did to Billie Holiday. Look what they did to, you think about anybody. That is how we evolved. We had to use every tool available. So, we did what our ancestors did. We sang about it. Then what happened? Oh, as soon as you start talking about it, we don't want to give them them ideas. So when I sit here and I talk about why it's time to go and I look at the, the big picture and I consume a lot of content and a lot of documentaries, in addition to my own family's, you know, struggles and my own personal struggles and traumas. Hmm. Mm -mm. It's past time. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing. And I have a, I have two questions that I kind of want to, that are, are birthed out of what you shared. Just to, just to hear like, 
the description of just a fraction of things that we've endured again. Mm -hmm. The fact that I'm grateful that you know these things, I, I, my family made it a priority to share our history so that somebody else can't come and lie about and then me fall prey to, but because they already told me, right? They already educated us. We learned about it. It was part of the discourse in our home. Um, there was pride in that. So you're right. I, I don't know. And I'm in, I'm in education. I work with adolescents, college students. I don't know when it became uncool for Black people to be uneducated. And, mm. and I know that's not the totality because my family, my friends, everybody I know, it's like, no, nah, what you going to get is mm -hmm. education. Yeah. You don't have a choice. I just... If it's in a book, some people don't want to find it. Yeah. Um, I mean, what they what they say, you want to hide something from a black person, put it in the book. Right. And that that's right. just not our history. Like we no. don't come from that. We come from, and when I try to tell people here, I bet they think like, oh Lord, she's talking about race every time we have a conversation. I was like, well, me being a black woman and still living and thriving is political. So you wouldn't know that. Because you're not in these, you know, shoes, you you can never, yeah. you can't empathize with that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but I know I can go on a tangent and I don't want to do that. I do want to ask you to kind of share with us for these individuals with all of the history that has amassed when it comes to Black people in America or their respective countries. How does one prepare to make this life-altering move. Because I really believe a lot of people would do just that if, one, they had like a benchmark to follow, right? An example. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm definitely not one to be like, well, somebody can give you this. No, the information's out there. You can go find it. Right. It's it's literally on the Internet for free. Um, so when I say preparation, I think more so I'm thinking about what kind of mental shift, emotional shift do you think an mm -hmm. individual has to undergo? What kind of untethering from mm -hmm. family? That has been like the biggest thing I've noticed. Well, I can't go nowhere. I miss my people too much. No, you're not. <laughs> What I'll start with that. What what type of you know educate what what kind of preparation? What type of like mental spiritual shifts and what does it look like from your perspective to kind of like untether from that safety net that keeps our people from venturing out and being able to thrive anywhere in the world? Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, because for everybody that's going to be different, right? Like for the person that has that deep familial ties, the way to untether and extricate is going to look very different from somebody who has like loose ties yeah. um, to community, to family, et cetera. But I think the, the common thread is the mindset work. And mindset isn't like a, a switch you flip. 
And then it's like, oh, whoop, got good mindset today. I'm good. I'm off, right? It is constant. And you have to accept that part of the journey yeah. that once you open the aperture, you can't close it, right? It's like once you, I always use this like reference to the matrix because it's one that most people can get. Right. It's like, once you take that pill <laughs> and you Neo, <laughs> you see it, and, right? You seen it. You can't unsee it, <laughs> right? Because it's going to lead you to something else. The, yeah. the version of me today, when I said, oh, I, I literally, when I was a child growing up in the Bronx, I used to journal that when I grow up, I'm going to live in New Zealand. How girl, black girl living in a high rise in the Bronx said that was her life goal. Right. And now some decades later, I'm about to make it happen, but not to New Zealand. Right. But what had to happen was getting clear on how I need to open up my mind mm. and, ex and either change things before me that I didn't like, which I spent much of my career in different mm -hmm. industries where I affected change, politics, television, etc. That was my first lens. I'm going to change the world. <laughs> right? What else do black women do? <laughs> exactly, right? My hook or my crook, we make it happen. So I went from this whole change the system, change these things, to then a recognition because I don't even think I had the real recognition when I said I wanted to charge on the change it was just like oh I see something I can fix yeah right then it was like the recognition that oh and maybe acceptance this is what it is to how do I change my environment and mm -hmm. what's the mental preparation that I need to do in mm -hmm. order to not carry aspects of my previous conditioning into what I want to experience differently. And I think that's the part that is the deep, deep mindset shifts in work. Um, and that gets into what we talked about earlier about self-awareness and things that's confronting things about your past or present that you want to keep or you want to discard or you want to question and then it's being conscious of it as you move forward in this world and how you want your new reality to be. But also recognizing that no land is a utopia. Whether, you know, race aside, right? There's no place where you're going to go and it's like everything you've ever wanted <laughs> right, is yours. We're going to throw rose petals at your feet and all this that's, other stuff. That's like, Jim Jones. Right? <laughs> Yes, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink right. the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> right? So don't don't go into it thinking that you're going to go wherever you were thinking and right. it's going to be, you know, completely different. Reality is going to be what you make it. So being clear on your why is mm. important. Getting in a community with other like-minded people, whether it's by affinity, right, or demographic. So like, oh, Mexico, location, you know, singles, families, whatever, 
where you can be where in community with people who are trying to figure it out, who are um, on the journey, right? Maybe they're a little bit ahead of you and they can help you point you in the right direction. Or at the very least, you know, there's strength in having these communities because it validates the days in which things don't work out the way you want them to. Yeah, or, to you know, which is almost every other day. <laughs> 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 you know, and you're like, but why? I said yeah. I was going to do this, but why yeah. is there so much? Right? It's yeah. like nobody promised that this was going to be easy. Mm. Life is not easy, right? It goes back to accepting, accept what is. And then, and then make a decision, Man, then act. So I say, you know, knowing your why, getting in a nice, uh, a good community, um, coming up on with a list of your likes and dislikes of your present condition and then also what your must-haves are and your nice-to-haves. For me, a must-have is I have to be within half a day of getting back to the States, yeah. right? Um, because by nature of what I do, I need to have strong internet and an infrastructure. Yeah. Um, culturally, I love being around other people and learning from them. So I love a place where I can go to different museums and, and other things that I can embrace and learn more, um, libraries and things like that. Um, you know, and so for everyone, that's going to be a little different. Um, but once you, once you find that, then you're able to say, okay, out of these, you know, 195 plus countries, <laughs> what fits that criteria? Yeah, and then know. out of the money that I have or identifying what you don't have. Yeah. Saying, okay, how do I get there? When I thought about New Zealand and I looked to see like many countries have, you know, means testing, uh, you have to have a certain level of, of financial um, ability to support yourself. I looked at that number. I didn't have that number at the time, but I said, hmm, Okay. At the time, I was like, oh, I got seven years. I can do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I set a goal for myself, right? And so you can recognize where your starting place is and then chart a path forward. And for some people, they may realize that, oh, wow, I have enough to do it this year. Some people might say, hey, this is a five-year thing or a 10 year, or you might say it's going to be like a five year and then realize you can do it in half that time, right? Once you start to goal set and you set your intention, life, the universe, source, God, whatever you language that resonates with you will meet you. Yeah. Yeah. And what I hear in you saying that is you have to do the work. You cannot circumvent doing the work it doesn't mm -hmm. magical thinking doesn't work right it's not if I think it it will come it is you have to engage in like you said the reflection the acceptance um really digging deep identifying what you need what you want mm -hmm. and manifesting what that is you know um through action 
one thing I recognize, or I think <clears throat> when I've had some conversations with people, sometimes it's really challenging for people to be able to articulate what they actually want. Mm. And I wonder, is that because a lot of times we're not given the opportunity to, to really think about what we want and have the circumstances or life situation where we can actualize to make that happen. So then when these opportunities come and people are asking you, you know, so what is it that you actually want? The The answer that I normally get is, I don't know, nobody's really, I've never really thought about that. And I wonder sometimes do these opportunities, you know, being brave, being intrepid, choosing to make this big change for ourselves, I feel like it can be really scary for some individuals that have not experienced this is something that I want. This is the work I'm willing to do. And now the outcome actually leads to me doing the work of getting what I desire. Mm. Yeah. Does, that make, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's not, you know, and look, I'm going through it and I still get afraid. <laughs> right? right? I'm like, am I going to have enough money? <laughs> you know, and let me talk to the so so so. Look, I listen to some of my old episodes a lot of the times because sometimes I need my own little pep talk. Yeah. And pick up, right. So it's not to say once you do it or if you're in the process, like, you know, you click and everything is no <laughs> do not do not but to get past the fear I think you know for me I've made a lot of decisions in my life and things that have terrified me to the core mm-hmm. and when I face the scary thing sometimes I have to go deep into a painful part mm-hmm. and recognize if I got through that in comparison this is nothing <laughs> and go forth girl go get it right Absolutely. so yeah sometimes you just have to dig deep and recognize but I think when you talk to many people and I know that that is something I still struggle with articulating my my needs is sometimes people come up in a circumstance where conditions were such, especially when you talk about children, right? Where they're not, their voice, their input is not valued. Uh, And so whether it's through a system, whether it's through caregivers or whatever, and, you know, life happens, but you still have to go through life. And so assuming that that happened during your formative years and you get into you know, a work environment and you, or you get into a relationship. And so you're, you're carrying that thread and it's easy for, um, I think the, the conditions, particularly in the United States is such that we are inundated with images and, you know, content that tell you what you should want whether we are conscious of it or not. You get in your car, you turn on radio, you watch the TV, you get on the internet and something is telling you, if you want to get that guy, here's what you should do. (laughs) If you want to get that job, 
here's what you should say. Yeah. If you want to look good for this, here's what you should buy. So there's always something planting a message to you, whether you're conscious or not. Sometimes it's playing in the background as noise, Mm -hmm. but that noise is still being filtered and still being interpreted by your brain. So we watch TV. Oh, you should wear this clothes, right? And look, we over-index in consumerism, right? And so sometimes, I guess it goes back to critical thinking, you have to think about what is the agenda of the message that's being sent? Am I wanting this because I woke up and said, I want to do this? Or is this a message somebody says that I need to have? I need to have this fancy car because I have this title or the salary, or I should live in this neighborhood, or I should wear these clothes, or I should have this spouse, or I should have these, you know, because a lot of times people wake up and they realize that they have signed up for a life that they weren't really conscious of because their family said, oh, if you're not a doctor, lawyer, engineer, blah, 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 I don't want to, right? Marry so, by 35. Right? Marry by 35. You don't have these many kids. And so <laughs> it's people pleasing. Mm. It's not being able to lean into your voice. It's suppressing intuition, right? That's your GPS, your internal GPS. And I think there's a recognition that as Black people in this world and in the United States in particular, when our existence is always met with resistance, when our voices are being silenced and marginalized, when our narrative is being whitewashed and stolen, when the mere expression of our reality is met with um, being gaslit and distorted. The outcome is oftentimes, I'm gonna just keep it to myself. I'm the only one, right? Mm. And there's no recognition of the trauma. Mm. You cannot take centuries of abuse passed down from generation to generation and then think, oh, everybody's supposed to come out rosy just because you decided, oh, see, it's not that bad. I mean, that was so long ago. Not understanding so, it. Yeah, racial trauma exists. Right? Yeah. Where and and so today now in 2023, we're seeing a a little bit more done, right? We're seeing more Black therapists like yourself, Black professionals in this space that are able to um, have spaces like this, safe spaces, you know, where we're seeing clinicians that specialize in, you know, unpacking racial trauma. But that is sometimes a needle in the haystack. Um, but that's that's part of why I think it's important to recognize that when we have these conversations and maybe somebody doesn't have the words yet, but they can listen to this episode, they can see it and then in, internally say, you know what, I've been playing small or yeah. I need to find my voice or I need to journal or how do I start to adopt a mindfulness practice? How do I start to tap into that part of myself that thought that I could be president of the United States, go to the moon, 
<laughs> right? Like all of those things as a little kid, you thought yeah. you could do all of that. I could be Miss America. I could <laughs> go to the moon and be president and, and run a multi-million dollar company, right? Like, <laughs> like get to the part where you had that imagination where there was nothing but possibility. Everything could go, was going for you. If you just sit into that space and that energy, you can go further. And that's why I start the podcast the way I do with close your eyes and imagine living a life you love. Just that alone, that was intentional. Because it's like, once you're able to do that and get in that space, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. You just have to give yourself permission. Listen, (laughs) I feel like I'm having a therapy session right now. (laughs) I should have warned you because you listen to the edited episodes that I get all of my stuff out and like, okay, Sean, you went real long on that. Would you really want to say, move that right there? Yeah. See, I'm still I can, I can go. (laughs) I, but I think, and I, and I, and I wonder if that's because, you know, by profession and by experience, just how Mm. important sharing your narrative is. It's kind of like when, when your voice has been found, like you said, when you've given yourself permission to do things afraid, no matter what the response or outcome will be, that's not a spigot that you can turn off, right? When you when you feel like that liberation and that freedom and that authenticity coursing through your body from healing the inner part of yourself that at one point didn't know this was, you know, you were able to be this version of yourself. It's Mm -hmm. like, why would you ever go back to, like you said, playing small or hiding? Um, Yes, there are reasons that people grow up and develop, you know, to live life that way. Um, I just think that there are so many opportunities and resources available for us to work through the things that are limiting us, holding us back, that have kept us, you know, stuck. A lot of that being trauma. Um, yes. And I want to, I want to ask you, how does the work that you're doing, the dreams that you're actively working toward making happen, what's the connection to living an authentic life in that regard? Hmm. Oh, that's, I have to ponder that for a minute. I guess I, I, I'm excited about the version of me that has yet to be. Um, and where I am today versus where I was when I started the podcast has evolved. I listened to the earlier episodes of what I thought, where I thought I would be at this time and I'm like that didn't even happen (laughs) (laughs) but that that's the beauty of it right giving myself permission to say okay you know I think um being authentic and I guess you know coming to this return to self in this season my life is um, 
is unfolding. You know, my, my son is, is going to be 23 this year. My daughter is going to be 18. She's leaving the nest and going to college and, um, and I'm moving abroad. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am giving myself the space to, I wouldn't say shed identity because I'm always going to be their mom, but recognizing that if I did my job right, they're good, right? That, that it's time for the birdies to fly and it's time for me to pursue more of the things that are sitting on my heart. I think you made a comment earlier about like moms, you know, struggling and I definitely struggle with you know, putting the focus on the kids and I'm easy to go into the back burner. And, you know, I think I've evolved and I don't think you ever get away from that to some degree, but, you know, I've carved out place where I can pursue more more of the things that I like. And I realized that by filling my cup that I showed up better. So by going to the other side of the world, for two weeks and leaving them with their father and going to New Zealand that that filled my cup and it's still (laughs) like I can go back to those memories when my my tank is (laughs) near an E Um, and 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 fill back up and so for me it was travel that was my my method of choice but um as I prepare to to get to this version of where um, and I embark on this new set of the journey, stage of the journey. I want to lean into more of the things that I've discovered about myself along the way and the things that I've yet to experience um, because we don't have the benefit of knowing when our end date is. Um, and we have... Our, our date of birth and the line, right? At present, if we're listening to this, you're yeah. still in the line. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have an end date. Yeah. And when you, when I think about that, I know that it's not titles or accomplishments and things like that. It's It's going to be what memories I leave behind to those who I love the most and who love me the most. And for many of us, we have held on to be it titles or money or some, you know, material possessions or status, um, you know, work hard and grind and all this other stuff. And, you know, what does that mean for your end date? Nobody's going to put that title on your tombstone. At all. Right? It's going to be how, what did you do with the time you were here, while you were here? And so for me, when I lean into this season and recognizing the stage of life, you know, many people lately, especially haven't been, you know, I lost several family members in the past two years that mm. had their sunset in their 60s. Wow. And... And even some of my peers that I went to school with have have transitioned. And so as I look at that, 
I could stay in my career for another, uh, my profession for another, what does they say, 20 years or whatever it is I'm supposed to have, yeah. you know, till I get to social security. <laughs> um, or I could take the time to get to know me and pursue my love mm. and my passion and what my passion I've discovered has been, and I struggled with that for a long time. I love this. Mm. I have made more connections in the past almost three years, meaningful, deep connections with people that I have never shared the same physical space than the decades that preceded it. And so getting to my authentic self is getting to the place that I enjoy, right? And also challenging my own beliefs about certain things, right? I said I'm an introvert, Um, but I also love connection. And so again, it gets back to like, where are the things that I've adopted or uh, accepted? Are they really true? <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe at some point they were. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe out of survival, right? So it's rec- yeah, it's recognizing on this journey that some aspects of I'll speak for myself, some aspects of my personality and behaviors have been out of necessity or survival. But while they may have served me in that moment or I got recognition or awards, right? Is it going to serve me in this next season of my life? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I do know that nothing is wasted. I do know that everything that I've done to date has served a purpose. That podcast that never launched, <laughs> those 10 years I spent in politics, those couple of years I spent in TV, past couple of years in digital marketing, all of those skills, all of those things have culminated into Blacks at Global. It allows me to have the conversations that I have to promote the show in the manner in which I do, to share with others, you know, through I have a couple of courses that want to, you know, learn how to to replicate. Nothing is wasted. So when I think about my authentic self and return to self, it's who was I before all of those things occurred? Mm. I want to get to know. Oh my goodness. In my head right now, the question that I'm wanting to, I'm going to ask is at this stage, looking back, you know, hindsight is 2020. What do you tell the younger, less audacious, less, you know, brave version of yourself about how life can be, will be. Life can be, will be. Hmm. Yeah, I would say, girl, buckle up. (laughs) is it because it's gonna be a ride (laughs) it's gonna be a ride you know like 
this ain't pretty. It's, uh, you know, uh, when I look back at it, I was having this conversation with my mom the other day, actually. And I said, because of where we grew up, uh, I grew up in Co-op City in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of co- being from the Bronx. When I grew up in Co-op City, and it's been on my heart to to visit before I leave, because um, I think I have some some things I need to to deal with. Um, it was very diverse. I had, I grew up with friends of all different ethnicities. You know, everyone. Some would come to my uh, my parents' apartment. I would go to theirs. I had teachers of every ethnicity. Mm. Um, and growing up in New York City, right? Very diverse. I went to school in upstate New York. Uh, it was very different. And I had certain things that were imparted to me um that as I look at it now kind of kept me on a a, a certain trajectory Mm. that I that no longer served me Mm. all that is to say is it's important I'm losing my train of thought I think what it is, I'm getting ready to go to some place that my brain is saying, we're not going there today. <laughs> and my brain is saying, nah, girl, we're not ready to talk about this right now. Lean <laughs> into whatever feels the best for you. All things are welcome. Yeah, it's... Uh, hmm. Why don't you try asking me again and we'll see if we we can get there because I want to keep going. I feel like I want you to just kind of sit with if you need some time, like what what would you tell this younger version of yourself about what life can look like in those moments when we don't, when it's hard to see like the next step because we're so mired in the present of our situations. and. It could be something that you take your time on. Um, And when it comes to you, feel free to share. Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder, you know, mental mental health has been laced throughout this entire conversation without it being Mm -hmm. a direct focus, right? Which is what I really appreciate. One of the things that I'd like to ask is, at what point did you recognize that really taking your psychological health and wellness seriously was imperative to you really being able to live your best life? I think early on, uh, I grew up in a time where mental health wasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. I had a a cousin that that, uh, died by suicide. I'm sorry. Um, Thank you when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I had other family members that struggled with mental health. Um, and a lot of it wasn't understood. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, getting help was like, we don't need that. Or you know, that's what white people do, you know. And very dismissive. 
which I think for me made me want to pursue the helping profession even more. So I put my th myself through school um, working as a childcare worker with um, children that were in residential placement. Um, so I worked full time. I went to school full time, and uh, and then subsequently, you know, got uh, was in the legislature doing children and families, working on helping human um, human services, shaping public policy, becoming a social worker, uh, leaning into that. Um, so I think that was really, I think that is the center of, of who I am. Um, but I guess I want to now, I think I'm, I'm safe enough to go back to, to the previous question. If I can tell my younger self anything, it would be to recognize that while the journey hasn't been easy, it's been well worth it. Mm. And at some point, I know in this next version of the journey, I will be ready to articulate it freely without, I'm not going to say without emotion, because that is my challenge, um, is Sometimes there's a disconnect between my head and my heart when it gets to those mm. areas, but to be able to fully lean into that discomfort mm. and to, to articulate it. Um, I think what's challenging me and where I hit that wall was I'm still dealing with a, a certain part of a season. Um, and at some point I'll be ready to, to, to venture there in some form. I don't know what form <laughs> that is. Yeah. I don't know if it's a book. I don't know if it's a podcast. Maybe all of them. It may be all of the above, right? But um, when I reflect on that, I know that while not pretty and not present, while not pretty, it allowed me to push through and still show up, which isn't easy to do. And I think what it has given me is confidence in my abilities, even when other people or society tries to tell me to the contrary. Mm. Yeah, I hear that in spite of you still rise. Mm -hmm. Like Maya Angelou personified, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, look, like anybody in life, right? Uh, I've I've been through trauma with a with a capital T. <laughs> yeah, with a capital T, um, and you you can't run from it. Like you said before, it'll show up in ugly ugly ways when you don't deal with it. But when you are able to channel it, but at the same time, allow yourself space to start to carefully unzip, uh, you can recognize the beauty in the journey. Yeah, I appreciate that. I 
I, just doing what I do, I, I think that's one of the challenging parts is people not knowing, which you won't know until you're in it, not knowing just how much they can manage, just how strong they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels very threatening and very frightening to confront the the really transformative and traumatic things that have occurred that have shaped or have been a part of shaping us into the person that we are today. Um, and that takes a lot of courage. And something I'm curious about is when you think of like the healing that you have undergone, may still be undergoing, how does, how does community, how does, how do safe people, what role does that play in your process? Ooh, that's something I'm still learning. Mm. I'll be a hundred percent honest. Um, because like I said, I mean, this was, this was an illustration of that, right? Like we were talking we're good. And then I hit a wall. <laughs> My mind was like, nope, not safe. Do yeah. you know, yeah. we're going to just stop this train right on the track. And I'm glad um, to speak to yourself though. That's that's a hallmark of self-awareness is recognizing I'm not ready for this in this moment. Yeah. Because it's easy for me to say like, oh, I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> but consciously as being aware, I know what that means. That yeah. means that I'm venturing somewhere that my brain is not ready for me to articulate. And then I had to move back. I got through it, whatever. Um <sighs> Mm. give me the question again <laughs> when you think of community um oh, community. safe spaces yes. how does that how does community. that kind of, how does that how does it solidify help to what's the word I'm looking for fortify, fortify. I, I love the word fortify it's such a good word you know it is it, it fortifies me. Community has played a tremendous role. And I, I talked about it a little earlier when I said that, that my, um, my community has grown exponentially, right. Of people I network with, right. but it's also a journey in terms of finding those safe. Uh, so like the community that I built in Blacks, the global passport has been a blessing and it has evolved. I started off with a Facebook group that quickly grew to almost 10,000 people um, and it was 10,000 of them, one of me, <laughs> and realizing that, um, you know, you can't be everything and everybody, nor should you. And you don't have to, you know, carry all the burden, wear all the hats. Um, and what I realized was in that first version of community, that once Facebook wasn't the safe space for us to have those conversations, in part because as a digital marketer, I know like the algorithm and, you know, things that they don't see as a host, right? Messages I'm getting from Facebook about, you know, this conversation was racist only because somebody mentioned another ethnicity, right? Like all of those headaches. Yeah. And so taking the group off and making the decision to flip the switch and go into a private community where I could show up differently in my authentic self and have you know, these workshops and accountability groups and be be able to show up in a way to serve my members differently 
allowed me to to <clears throat> cultivate the space that allowed all of us to, to uh, all of us to thrive and and so much so that uh, eight of my members are actually in Portugal right now on their scouting trips and um, yeah it's it's amazing um, I have a couple neighbors <laughs> so one neighbor told another neighbor <laughs> oh my god listen everybody leaving yeah yeah and then, <laughs> yes and then two sisters who join yes and so this is a fabulous at some point I'm gonna get us all together so they can tell their their <laughs> stories but it, it's so impactful what, what community has done yeah and then through that you know through through the show and through the community those those are where the connections points have gone in directions that I wouldn't have imagined um and that's where I go back into like you know face fear and do it anyway so, you know, Char, <laughs> that you've had on, on your show, um, she was on the Black School podcast. And really, it was that conversation with Char that put Portugal on the radar for me. Same. Yeah, yeah, it was it was so powerful. And it was at a season where, I, you know, my daughter had gotten to a place where she wasn't comfortable with me going all the way to New Zealand or too far. And then I had to change and think about different countries right like as I said those earlier episodes the journey is very different <laughs> um and you know I had to then start the process over right um and being okay with that so that's where community has has been a, a blessing um also Juanita Ingram who I had on the show who's the current Mrs. Universe yeah. and you know and just being able to to you know, call on her or she, you know, she met, mentioned Blacks the Global in a, in a recent uh, article and interview she gave to Ebony. And so just, you know, those type of things that organically, you know, come, come together. Um, and that's where we as a community have been able to lean on each other and support one another. You know, Stephanie and Rashida, they do amazing work with, you know, Exodus Summit and, you know, been able to collaborate with them as well. And, um, I think it's it's the beauty of being able to, it's like a magnet, right? You're attracting the people that vibe on your vibe. And while we're all, you know, leaning into our own strengths and unique abilities, we also have this ability to come together and create something beautiful. Yeah. And, and that 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 is fortified. <laughs> um and better right then then like we we have our own individual skill sets and strengths but then there's also like this invisible thread that also allows us all to rise right at the same time that's something that's beautiful not to say that those connections those type of connections don't exist in america but i think it's very difficult to do that because it's hard to heal in the same place in which you got sick and yep. so when I think about community and the importance of community pre-move abroad, once you move abroad, or if you choose to or have to, at times most of us will repatriate, it's important to have community because there are going to be moments, you know, and I still go through those where not sure or need support. You know, my default is I'm very independent. Um, that is a benefit, but it is also a curse. 
Listen. And... <laughs> <laughs> My mom said, all the good things in excess can become problematic. <laughs> yes, yes. And so being able to, to shine a light on that yeah. and recognize when, you know, my default is to take everything on and not ask for help. And, you know, I remember I reached out to Shar recently about something and I was like, oh, she's like, well, why didn't you tell me before? I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to bother you with that. <laughs> she's like, it's no bother, right? So it's to, to show you that even when you're in this space, even when you're in, uh, you know, a leadership, if you will, capacity, the work still has to happen, right? The work is still ongoing, but when you lean on community, you find support, you find validation, um, you find encouragement. Mm -hmm. Lots of that. Yeah, I've had members that have had, um, you know, I guess if you will, like financial in infidelity where they were hiding things and not being able to have that conversation with their spouse who didn't get judgment, got support and validation as to what led them to that. And then they were able to face the fear and have that conversation. And now they're charting their path to their life abroad, right? Now it's out of the open, they faced it and moved on. You know, I've had people struggle with planning this in secret but not even telling their parent or someone else or feeling like, you know, no one's going to understand and coaching around that. And right. so that's the power of community. And that's something that we as Black people, our heritage, our ancestry is rooted in the collective. But for many of living in the United States, which is very individualistic, and that is against our true nature. And so when we are able to come and unify and come together in community, we're able to accomplish so many more things and have so much bigger impact individually and collectively that I think that if you are committed to this journey, that is something that I encourage everyone to do. You do not have to go at it alone. You know, there's so many like, you know, uh, comment, uh, what is it? Um, I don't know if it's an old wives tale, but it's like a saying about, you know, you want to do something, you know, go out alone. But when you have that village around you that can support you and nurture you along the process, you're going to feel so much better. Yeah. And when you get to the place and you have community and you're like, hey, where is the best place to eat or where do I get, you know, um, furnishings from my place. I don't want to have to pay towards prices. When you have somebody giving you the cheat codes and the shortcuts, that will make that move less scary. That will make that transition much easier. And you'll want to pay it forward, yeah. not out of necessity, but just being able to give of your overflow. You'll lean into that spirit. And that's something that for many of us, we've been in this you know, competitive kind of isolative life here and it doesn't allow us to be our beautiful authentic selves that we know we we really are yeah I I I, I have this thought that 
when it comes to like being a black woman and being in certain spaces, sometimes I've found that there's an air of competition, um, especially if you're dealing with, you know, black women from all over. And I always have this thing when I meet, like I'm at an international school um, and when black people come in, black women, black men, I'm like, okay, are they black, black? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody black know what I mean. <laughs> like, it's one thing to be phenotypically black. Are you culturally black? Yes. You yes. know, all skin folk ain't kin folk. New oh my goodness. I can name the names right now, but that ain't what the energy is about this evening. Like, so I'm sometimes it's been so welcoming, right? To encounter other black women on the same wavelength. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's been harmful and scary and so the thing that I find to be the most just invigorating in what you shared and I've experienced some of this too with some of the same women that you're describing is the camaraderie the sisterhood the support um the encouragement like when you're feeling off there's somebody that gets it that understands kind of like the space that you're in yeah. and that to me feels amazing and I cannot wait to leave Beijing and get to that community like that energy from the first interview I think the first person I interviewed I think from it what was it Margo I don't know if it was Margo or, or Diari mm, Margo in Lisbon yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody talked about girl to black women here. And I'm just like, I I I crave that kind of um synergistic sisterhood. And so yeah. I have just a few more questions, but one I want to ask you is what do to you, what does it mean to be a black woman in this space at this time? Ooh, it feels great. <laughs> it feels great because I get messages from people who've been more seasoned in this journey, been abroad 15, 20 years. And they're like, oh my gosh, where was this when I was going through it? What the validation is that? Ooh. Right? And it's just like, wow. And again, when I was recording this in my closet, when I you know created the group and you know, for weeks, it was just me in there talking to myself, <laughs> right? Um, it is such an honor, right? And I don't take it for granted. I am appreciative of the interaction. Um, and then just, you know, seeing the camaraderie, you know, when many of us have, uh, you know, YouTube channels and, you know, we go live. And so like Stephanie goes live on Saturday usually see me in the comments, you know, talking to people. Rashida goes live on Sunday. I'm in the comments, you know, our Black Utopia, you know, we're, we're in each other's communities, cheering each other on. And it's a genuineness. And sometimes, you know, I've heard from, from other expats and they're like, where were these Black people when I was struggling in America? <laughs> Where y'all been my whole life? Like, Where y'all been? Get life together. <laughs> right. And it's not to say that, you know, I kind of want to level set it too. It's like, you know, we talk about 
no utopia exists anywhere. It's not to say you're going to go to you know Portugal and that's going to be the the ticket or Mexico or whatever. It, it or that every black expat is going to receive you in that way, right? It's to say that these have been my experiences and the experiences of several people that I've had the pleasure and honor to talk to. Um, that gave me confirmation. And and as I started this conversation, I had said I had gone to several countries uh, and hadn't encountered Black expats. Those connections were cultivated over, you know, the span of now almost three years with this platform. And I knew they were out there, I just didn't know where. And so now that we know that we're out there and kind of the lives that we're living and being able to illuminate these in different ways, you know, whether it's visually or, you know, through the podcast or other mediums, it to be in this moment is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's where passion and purpose connected in a way that was more meaningful than I could have ever imagined. And I'm grateful for losing my job and leaving my marriage and <laughs> all of these other things or, you know, the traumas that I endured in, in childhood. I am grateful because all of those things shaped mm. me to where I am. Were they painful? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. But honestly, I don't think I would have done anything different because each aspect of that allowed me to be this version of me. And now I get to, I don't know if the right word is parent or nurture, but to maybe the right word is embrace, is embrace all of those aspects as well as the things that I hadn't dealt with so that I can live my life in, I don't even know what we're up to now, HD, <laughs> 4K, 8K, whoever knows. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Who knows, right? AI, I don't even know, right? <laughs> but to show up and show out, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have things that are bubbling up in the underneath for Blacks at Global that I know I can't yet bring to fruition until I'm abroad and so for that it gives me a level of excitement to look at the the journey ahead mm -hmm. um but yeah to be in this moment it's it's beautiful it's beautiful and I'm grateful to every guest I'm grateful to every listener every follower every person that is enlightened I am so, you know, oh, I've said this how many times, so grateful for everything that, you know, you've offered. And I think I have two, two questions. One, I like to always end with healing in mind. And mm -hmm. what does the healing process journey look like for you presently and moving forward? Ooh, I'm going to tell you right now because you have them. First thing I'm going to do when I get to Portugal, I'm going to buy me some plants. Because 
are every, so amazing. Every y'all follow a lot of people, I'm sure, that listen to this or watching this. I'm sure y'all follow. You know, we've named quite a few. And if you've noticed, everybody got plans. Everybody, everybody got plans. Everybody. Everybody got plans. I have no plants in my home. I've never had plants in my home. And I say, you know what? Part of my healing journey is buying me some plants. Okay. Because apparently every black expat who's on the healing journey got a plant. About <laughs> it. It's the, it's the, I, they are literally all over my apartment. Oh it's my God. I want to buy a plant. I got Buddhas everywhere, but I got no plants. <laughs> right. So part of my healing journey is, like I said, and I'm serious, I'm a Bobby to plants. So that's first on the list. Um, I'm making this journey with my dog. Uh, she is a pandemic pup. Um, did not think in this season of life that I was going to be making this journey with her. And that also has shaped my journey, right? Certain things I can do now that I have to make other considerations because I have a little little pandemic pup that'll right. be journeying with me. But that, you know, I realize that she's also part of my healing journey um, because I love her <laughs> to pieces. It didn't start out that way. <laughs> when I brought her home, I realized that it was like having a baby all over again. And I had to get up in the middle of the night and take it to the bathroom. And also I was like, oh, I, I think I think we might have made a mistake <laughs> and uh now that's my boo <laughs> right so um it has been oh lord and I said this and now I hear a dog outside so she might start barking apologies um <laughs> um if she starts but um that has been part of what I'm looking forward to and then also the things that I don't want to do anymore. Mm. <laughs> right. It's part of my healing journey. Yeah. Uh, so part of that is I'm going to get me a maid. Uh, I'm going to be going to the spa a lot. Um, you know, cause I carve out and I reserve time usually when I travel to, to do that, but it needs to be a consistent practice. And I've known this for years. But, it, you know, either because prioritizing you know, kids needs or it's just too expensive in America. Um, so all of those things that I don't really indulge in um, or made conscious decisions not to, that I'm going to be doing. Um, I started journaling again. Um, for many years, I stopped, um, mostly due to certain conditions and even then, just out of habit, I just stopped. So I'm getting back into that. Um, and, you know, I think there's some, I think there's a book in there uh, waiting, <laughs> waiting to come out. Um, and then part of my healing journey, too, has been um, writing. That's something that I realized that I'm wanting to get back into. And so I, I penned in articles uh, asked to pen an article for a condensed world traveler earlier this year, and that was my first published byline. Thank so, you. thank you. And uh, it was well received, and by by both the publication as well as you know readers, and it gave me confirmation that I still had it um, mm -hmm. because I didn't write 
as much, um, you know, I felt my writing skills were getting soft. And so it's something that I want to get back to. Um, and I think part of my healing journey is also leaning into what's uncomfortable. Mm. You know, I started Black to Global podcast as a podcast, primarily because I'm an introvert and YouTube felt like the scary thing, even <laughs> though I was on television years ago. But even then, I was I resisted that. Um, and now, you know, leaning more into uh, being comfortable in those spaces. So I think part of the journey is the healing journey is like, you know, continuing to face those those scary things, the the fear and to sit with it, right? Not to run from it, is to let the feelings bubble up. Listen to your body. That's been something I've been having tap into the sensation that's in my body. And then I don't even know how much of it is about giving it meaning, but just let, letting it have its space and its time. So I think there's more that I'll probably um, face on the journey. There's stuff that I like to nerd out on that I just don't give myself time to do that I plan on just, you know, going in the library or just going down a rabbit hole and just embracing it. I love it. I'm so excited for you. Thank well, you. I'm excited too. I'm looking forward to retiring. <laughs> retiring. Right. Air quotes. Uh, yeah, yeah. From from nine to five foolishness, not from the show. <laughs> right. I you've shared so much and I am so grateful. Like just the thoughtfulness and the intent behind I think the decisions that you've made the the stories that you shared mean so much and I, and as I've said before I know that someone is going to hear this storytelling session and mm -hmm. recognize that okay there is life after whatever it is that they're experiencing in their present moment it's just you have to believe in yourself enough face those difficult things, seek a supportive and safe community to kind of help fortify you as you go along that journey and do it afraid. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm so happy that we've been able to have this conversation. I've been wanting to have this Me conversation too. for a long time. So just to end it, I would love for you to share with us how we can follow you the journey connect with you and um, just engage with all of the great work that you're doing. Oh, uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for this opportunity. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Okay. I am excited to continue the conversation, you know, on, our, on my platform because I know I want to learn more about your incredible journey because you're right. It, it is the, the light that can, illuminate somebody else's path um but in terms of how you can follow blacks of global you can follow us online blacksitglobal.com find me on instagram at blacksitglobal you can find me on youtube at blacksitglobal <laughs> and facebook 
not group, but Facebook page. (laughs) And then you can listen to the Blacks of Global podcast on all podcast platforms. If you're so inclined and want to join the community, it is called Blacks at Global Passport. You can find links to it on all of those um, socials that I mentioned. And yeah, come in. We've got great workshops, everything to help you along on the journey, how to get, you know, your money right to taxes. And of course, those accountability groups. And we also have a men's group that is um, led by one of my guests um, from season four, because the men have their own walk and journey. And so I wanted to make sure there was a safe space for them to to commune, um, to talk about their walk and how it looks different for for them versus us so um if any of this is interesting tap in yeah thank you so much Krishan, for just the candor the honesty the the connection the laughs um and i know i follow you so i definitely know that those who listen and follow will definitely partake in joining the community um And so for everyone that has tuned in today, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Black Expat Experience. I have thoroughly enjoyed every moment of this conversation with Krishan. And I encourage you all, as always, to keep taking risks and impacting your communities. And above all, make sure that you make your mental health a priority. Um, I depend on your support for these messages to go out into the world. So please share this in your communities um, of influence. And I thank you for everything that you've been able to do in supporting us. And please stay tuned for more to come. So with that, I'm going to say thank you and good night. Thank you, Rashawn. Thank you.